This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chale. That's mintmobile.com slash chale. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chale. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Guys, coming up on today's show... I'm going to give a good look to the announcement that Adesanya is going to be rematching Pierre. Guys, I think this is the fourth time these two are going to compete. And by the way, do you view Masvidal and Gilbert Burns as a promotion? Or should we be looking at this co-main event as a D-motion? All of that coming up. But first, let's get into this. Jake Paul called me. So... I got I to gotta tell you that because I got to run something back. I told you guys, if Jake and Tommy ever fight, I will not be covering it. Now, that wasn't meant as a threat. But in truth, I didn't think they would fight. I've already seen this movie once, and I fell for it. I looked like a fool. I trusted somebody, which was a press release, but then you guys trusted me. 
So if somebody asks you, why'd you get burned at Madison Square Garden? If somebody asks you, if you change your plan, particularly if you were flying in some kind of trouble because you believe something was happening, they asked you where you got it, someone you would say for me. You're not going to say from a press release that came to change, right? It's one of these things. It's chain of command. Then whoever you told is going to be mad at you. You promised your son you're going to take him? Your son ain't mad at me. He's mad at you. Who's mad at me? Who's mad at the press release? Do you see how this works? And perhaps I'm overthinking that. I, I agree with that. There are people in, in my position that will ingratiate themselves to degrees that they don't belong, but this was my deal either way. I'm not going to cover the fight because I don't like it, but I mainly don't like it because it's not going to happen. My evidence for it's not going to happen is it could have already happened and it didn't happen. Jake called me and said, Chill, you got to take it back. He said, we're counting on you to a degree, but this is going to happen. Okay. I want to share that with you guys, though. I can tell you this. I can tell you that Jake believes he's going to win. Now, please don't come back and say, yeah, all fighters think they're going to win. No, they don't. I can't remember a fight that I had where I knew I was going to win. And there's different ways to find out. And I like to know because I don't begrudge a guy who feels like a lamb going into slaughter or who's willing to take a risk or who questions himself, but he uses that as motivation. I don't have a problem with any of those emotions. I just don't like it when a guy lies. I don't like it because now I don't know. As a better or handicapper, if you're lying to me, right? Remember when I told you guys that Juliana Pena was going to beat Amanda Nunes? And you asked me why, and I told you because I talked to Juliana and she told me she was going to beat her, but it was different. She meant it. She believed it. Now, Jake believes he's going to beat Fury, and he believes it's not going to be that hard of a fight. He believes that, and he's demonstrating that by doing the fight in a month. Jake is now in the MMA business, not just going into MMA. He invested and has a piece of the arm of the PFL that is going to provide pay-per-view, and he is going over there and going to compete in that. And from a financial standpoint and a risk that is taken, right, protecting an interest is a much more valuable motivation than going out and getting a prize. And going out and getting a prize is a big one, right? You're a prize fighter. You want to get paid to go do it. Protecting an interest that you put your name on is a different level of motivation. That is the one that would supersede. And he is risking that to a degree by going out and doing this. And I only offer that for you because he believes he's going to win. There's been a lot of talk around Paul. First off, that he wasn't very good. Well, had to shove that one right up your ass, didn't you? That's fine. That's fine. Sometimes you get proven wrong. But you did have to swallow that one. And the other part of him not being very good is that he doesn't even believe it. He's just out there protecting. He doesn't even believe the things that he's saying. So I thought it was a little weird, right? If he's willing to walk in there in front of the world and go against Anderson Silva... You're going to say he doesn't even believe these. I mean, some of that stuff is stupid. I've seen that in politics before. This guy doesn't even want the position. Well, it's just a stupid thing to say. And I do feel that Jake doing this, in the order that he's doing it, it really does demonstrate. I can't guarantee that Fury's going to be there. Fury does have a level of a relationship with the folks that are putting this on. They've trusted him in the past, and they trust him again. I think that that has to mean something. One thing that I really do like about this match, right? And I already know how this is going to go, and so do you guys. They're going to have some belt. They're going back and forth. Jake is going to kick his ass. Fury is unlikely to win a single round. And we'll find a way to say that Fury wasn't very good and Jake still doesn't matter, right? But, but when you boxing people do that because that, that encourages you and that invigorates you, just make sure you understand. When you do it this next time, we're going to take him from you. We in MMA do care about somebody's willingness to compete. We do care if they believe in themselves. We do care if they take a risk. We do care if they'll walk out there and do something. They've only been out for four years against a second-generation guy. We do care. So when you put Jake down, after he beats Fury, right, you're going to put a guy down for victory. We're going to take him. So go right ahead. You say you don't want him? Say you don't want to watch him? You say he shouldn't be here? We're going to take him. And he's not going to be there much longer. Just so you understand how the story's going to end. 
I love that these guys announced the fight one month before the fight. I wish other people would do that. Floyd Mayweather is the only meaningful pay-per-view draw. There's not a lot of things that work in pay-per-view, but there are things. There's boxing, there was MMA, and there was professional wrestling. But only Floyd, not all of boxing, only Floyd specifically would announce a fight and five to five and a half weeks later, he'd be in the ring. We waited for Manny Pacquiao versus uh, Floyd for 10 years. They announced it, and five Saturdays later, they were in the ring. Only Floyd does that. I'm surprised that nobody else has copied that. I believe it's because nobody else has observed it. Until now. Announcing that these guys are going to fight, oh, and by the way, in one month. I love that. I think that's fun. Jamal Hill versus Glover Teixeira was not the biggest fight. We understand that, guys. We didn't expect to see the, the world's best fight. You want to know something that really made a special ingredient for that pay-per-view? Was one month before the pay-per-view, Dana announced we're going to get resolution to the 205-pound division. And this is how we're going to do it. But it really didn't have as much to do with, with Hill or Glover or Glover returning home, and it used to be from Brazil. It really didn't. They tried to make that part of the story. That just wasn't what worked. What really did work for that fight was that one month before, we were told why it matters. And we just don't usually get that. It's a treat. It's a real treat. I used to do this with grappling guys. You want to know what I would tell you about a grappling event? Huge ones. Huge. You saw the numbers that we did. No one's ever touched our numbers. Never. Vinny Magliesh versus Craig Jones. There has never been a grappling event in history to touch that number. But you want to know when I told you that fight was going to happen? Two days before bell time. Two days before bell time, but you loved it. You were excited. There wasn't a lot going. We're in a pandemic. It was a different time. I understand why that number did what that number did. It wasn't just jail and the two days before. There was there was a lot of things on it that are going to be hard to duplicate. Don't think that I don't know. But one piece of the ingredient that brought you that two days before bell time, and it created a different emotion and a different energy, and that wasn't a risk that anybody else has ever been willing to take. It's not as though a, a Bob Arum or Don King could come to you and say, that doesn't work. They've never tried it. They just assume it doesn't work. There's a lot of things like that that are experiments. But I hope that people take note. I love the idea. Tommy Fumbles, Jake Paul, four Saturdays from now. Did you guys see the clip on Conor McGregor? Oh, this was incredible for a number of reasons. Have you ever had a near-death experience? It will change your life. It will change your life. Now, don't say yes if you were scared. Or at least don't say yes if you were just scared. A near-death experience is something very different. It's where something happens. It's in front of you. It happened where you were supposed to be or you were just about to be. And had you been there, you would be dead. Not you'd be hurt. Not you'd be uncomfortable. You'd be dead. That's a near-death experience. And I have had one and it, it, it does change you. But Connor had his today. And it's very different time. Some of you, you, you folks that uh, younger than me, you can't relate. We didn't all used to have cameras. A camera was a rare thing. The only place that had cameras was a bank. And that's it. I mean, now you got them at people's front doors. Everybody's holding one on their phone. I, I, I got three all on one device over here, but that's a new thing. So the point is the way that Connor could document it, particularly in the moment where his breathing, where his breath, where his mind, where his reality. It was really a fascinating thing. But guys, did you see this? A guy, Connor's riding his bike. Guy comes from behind him. Boom, right through him. Not he bumped him and Connor wrecked. The guy went through him. Went over the bicycle. Well, why did he go over Connor? Because when he hit Connor, it sent Connor in a direction of which Connor credited his judo and wrestling. And I know what that means. There's a way to fall. You have to know how to fall, though. And it's hard. It takes a lot of work. Judo, wrestling, all these martial arts will all start with gymnastics. Everything will start. Every practice, you will start with a level of gymnastics, four rolls, diving four rolls, as simple as that might sound. It's so that you know how to fall. When your body's in the air and it's coming down, which gravity's going to do, how are you going to hit the ground? 
And Connor credited his martial arts with him knowing how to fall. I just wanted to explain that to you guys because it was a very amazing thing. Connor said, guy didn't see me. You know, it was broad daylight. If I was to guess the time of day, it was 10 o'clock in the morning. I don't know the time of day, but now, but now you guys know how much light is out. Perfectly well lit. Sunny day. But it was relevant because the guy didn't see him. The, the, you know, the glare, you get that sun glare. There was a glare in the guy's eyes. He kept trying, trying to get through it. Went right over Connor. Really, what an experience. And, and, and Connor was so rattled, you guys. He was so rattled that I did not believe it was Connor because it didn't sound like him. It sounded like somebody attempting to impersonate Connor. We see, we've seen that for years, right? Got that guy out there that does an excellent Connor McGregor. Called Michael Bisping and pranked him, but he's really good. It didn't sound like Connor, but that was the despair. That was the surprise in his voice, and ultimately he turns the camera, and you see him, and he's got some scrapes and bruises. Now, guess what Connor did in this moment? Well, what are his options, guys? What would have you done if somebody ran you over? Now, the guy stopped. The guy tried to make it right. That's the sincerity of, hey, I did not see you. But what would you do? Would you be calm? Would you be thanking God like Connor did, or would you be blaming the guy that hit you? I don't know that anybody would judge you or tell you were wrong either way. I'm just suggesting for a moment, just that, what would you do? Because you want to know what Connor did? He told the guy, it's all good. Safe travels, be on about your way. Now he said it to him, pretty tired. And he said it to him in that voice that I told you I didn't quite recognize. But he forgave the man instantly, almost to the point where he wanted to make the guy feel okay. The guy was in a bigger shock than Connor. It broke the guy's heart that he hurt somebody's bike, that he almost injured somebody. And you, you could tell it. You could tell, at least in this moment, yet you're dealing with a kind person. And Connor went as far as to reassure and make him feel okay. I just thought that was an incredible thing. I really did. And that's where you're going to see the real Connor. I mean, not for nothing. I, I was never really happy with the portrayal of Connor post-Dustin Poirier Part 3. He was broken. He's on the ground. He calls over Joe Rogan, who gets on the ground. And Joe has an open rule. I don't interview guys when they're knocked out. I don't interview guys when they're down, when they're TKO'd. He broke the rule because Connor insisted and called him over. He then continued to entertain the audience until the final bell. And for the story to be written any other way, then you've got a true professional that is going to live the gimmick until the final camera shuts off, I thought was unfair. Now, I could also be a sucker, and I could be wrong. For sure I could be. A lot of you think that I am. I myself know that I might be. But, for sure I'm not wrong, and none of you think that I am. The video today, after a near-death experience, where Connor did not beat, he did not scold, he did not curse at, he did not want information or money from, a fellow neighbor, if you're riding your bike, I gotta assume you're fairly close to house, fellow citizen, a potential fan, Someone's son, probably father and husband. And Connor just wanted him to have safe travels and get on about his way. That was the real Connor McGregor. You can bet on that. I just got asked a question, guys. I got to tell you, I'm a little bit fired up. I was on my way out of the studio. I have come back. You want to know what I just got asked? Is Alex Volkanovsky the most underrated fighter of all time? Now, why does that frustrate me? Because my answer is yes. Now, let me, let, me, let me tell you exactly what I told producer Ryan. I said, I can make a case for it. Maybe if you gave me an hour, maybe I could think of somebody different. But absolutely, I can make a strong case. And Ryan said, well, chill, hold on. Did you hear my question? I said, is he the most underrated? He said, chill, he's rated number one. They have him number one in the world. So how can you be number one and underrated? 
Is it an oxymoron? No, well, no, it's not. No, it's not. And I know that numbers don't lie and they've got them at number one. I appreciate that. Let me give you some other numbers. By a show sponsor called DraftKings 3-1. That's how big of an underdog Volkanovsky was seven days ago. I'll admit I haven't checked it for seven days. Three to one. Those numbers don't lie. How do you get to those numbers? Yes, somebody sets a line. They set that line over two months ago. Then the money comes in. The line then gets adjusted. It sets itself. It sets itself with your guys' money, which is also a number. Uriah Rodriguez. No chance with Islam. Is that is that what you believe? No chance with Islam. Okay. Because Uriah didn't even call out. Volkanovsky, just so you understand, Uriah was the number one contender. He earned that. First round finish over Brian Ortega. He earned it and never called for it because it was Volkanovsky. Josh Emmett, number one contender, earned it and never called to execute it because the champion was Volkanovsky. How do I interpret that? Two guys are in an argument for number one contender. Neither one of them wants to do it. Max Holloway, does he get does he get killed? Max he gets he gets he gets smashed. 45 minutes of fight and he, he 10 minutes. That's how much Max won against Volkanovsky? He won 10 minutes and 45 minutes of fight. Does Max not he doesn't do that well with, with Islam? You sure about that? Brian Ortega, Korean zombie, Chad Mendez, you sure about that? Jose Aldo, no chance, can't go with him. You sure about that? Because that's what you're saying. That's what you're saying times two, times three. I mean, in Max Holloway's case, who's who's great? This is the legend I'm speaking about, right? But the divisible here is 10 minutes over 45, okay? Two rounds out of 15. That's your divisible. And the denominator comes out and it tells you that that is how bad Islam would have to beat Max because that's how much better Volkanovski is. Are you telling me that 155 pounds is more superior to 145? Oh, and by the way, it's not even a question. Oh, and by the way, three to one? Really? Really? That's a surprise because just before Islam fought his last fight, people said he didn't belong in there. Not only can he not beat Charles, he should not even be fighting Charles. He is not a number one contender. He is not beating the right guys. So he goes through Charles. He makes Charles tap. Now, in all fairness, so did eight other men. The eight other men who made Charles Oliveira tap did not get talked about this way. Why is it so unique for Islam? Why does Islam get to be the unbeatable force just because he tapped Charles who eight other men tapped? And you might be right. Perhaps he goes through Volkanovsky. But to pretend that the number one ranked guy who's undefeated, who's a world champion in possibly the most respected weight class, right? And that's a hard one. I, I agree. 45 or 55, which one's harder? It, it, that's a hard one. It's a really hard one. You go back and forth. If you ask me, be real tight, but it would lean 55. We're all to be just real fair here. You can tell me he doesn't have any kind of a chance. Three to one underdog. So what would a Josh Adam been? What would Yuri Rodriguez be? What would Ortega be? What would Max Holloway be? What would Chad Mendes be? What would Jose Aldo be? What would those guys be if this guy's three to one? They had no chance with him. They got destroyed by him. So how bad of a mismatch would it be to put Islam with them. And you know, I'll, I'll tell you this too, because I don't know what's going to happen in this fight. I don't know. I, I'm not trying to come to you and beg you to understand and say that Volk's going to win. If you don't think he's going to win, I mean, here, here we are. I just want you to really understand what you're saying. Volk is three to one. That's the it's official odds. Three to one. And there's only one thing that Islam has that Volk doesn't. Only one thing. Only one thing, guys. People just think he's bigger. Including Islam, he just thinks he's too big. 
Volk used to be 96 kilograms, which is 211.8 pounds when he played rugby. He's known for his size. He's known for his strength. You've only seen him at 145. You've never seen him with his shirt off at 155. You've never seen, seen him compete. When he weighs close, it will be about 64, 66 when he gets in the ring. You've never seen that in your mind's eye. You just can't see it. He's just too small. But I will tell you this. Do you know what it's like to be Volkanovski? Do you know what it's like to be the undefeated champion of the world and you can't bring an arena to their feet? Do you know what it's like to walk out last as main event but Chemayev and Burns was 20 minutes earlier, and that's the one that the crowd got the most into? Do you know what it's like to be a main event on pay-per-view and having people get up and they're leaving because they know what the outcome's going to be? And they would rather not see the final moment in exchange for getting to their vehicle and getting home without a traffic line. I mean, do you know what that would be like? And he dealt with it, and he pushed through it, and he got through it anyway. It's a very hard way to compete when the expectations are so high. Living life, that'd be fun, right? Living life, people complimenting you, always telling you good things. You look down at your social media, something positive. That'd be fun. On fight night, do you know what it's like to be the favorite? It's not great. It's not great. And Volkanovski dealt with it anyway. You are giving him something right now. You are giving him an advantage. It is a competitive advantage for the fact that all pressure has been taken off of him. It is a competitive disadvantage that Islam isn't allowed to lose a single round. Islam must dominate this man. If Islam wants a takedown, he had better get the takedown. If he wants to box with him, he had better land ones and twos. If he wants to push the pace, he had better have Volkanovski suck in air. You're putting Volk in a better position. I like Volk in this fight from Jump Street. I like him more now. But when Ryan asks me, is Volk the most underrated guy? And he tells me it's not possible because he's ranked number one. That's a number. And that number does mean something. But there's another number. And DraftKings has it. And it's three to one. And it's against Volkanovsky. Well, we're well into 2023. Have you guys kept up on your fitness goals? Have you made it into the gym before or after work like you hope to? If not, the FitBot app is here to help you succeed in staying on track for the rest of 2023. The FitBot app creates a workout routine that is personalized to your goals, your fitness label, and your available equipment. It learns from your previous workouts and adapts as you improve so you can keep the momentum going all the way through the year and beyond. Look, guys, I've been around the gym pretty much my entire life. I know a lot about working out. I know a lot about setting goals, but sometimes you get lazy or it's hard to just keep up with a routine. Habits are real, whether they're good or bad and getting in the swing of things can be tough. Using the FitBot app has helped me to get the most out of my workout. It's got me out of the rut because it has a variety of different exercises that I can do right from my home gym. Guys, all I got is a plyo box and a jump rope, but you don't need the fancy equipment to get a workout in with FitBot. Just pick a fitness goal, add in your equipment, and FitBot will create a routine just for you. Whether you've been missing gym time or you hit a plateau, a fresh start has never been easier. The app switches up your exercises to help avoid overtraining or just flat burnout. A full year of FitBot is less than the cost of a single session with a personal trainer. You can work on your body and your budget by using the FitBot app. Join FitBot today and build a routine that lasts all year. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at FitBot.me slash Chael. F-I-T-B-O-D dot me slash Chael. Men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the plate. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible set of products known to man, and here's why. This collection can help you get ready for any occasion. They have the most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, and polos, so you'll never have to worry about what to wear. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility and leaves you free to enjoy whatever life throws your way from your commute to the office to meeting up with the guys after work to watch the game. My favorite thing about Rome 
is its wrinkle release gold fusion anti-odor technologies. I get home still smelling fresh and wrinkle free after a long day at work coaching and running around with my family. Roan is 100% machine washable so you or your wife can ditch the trips to the dry cleaner altogether. It's time to look great and feel confident without the hassle of going from one mall store to the next. Head to Roan.com slash Chale. That's R-H-O-N-E dot com slash Chale. Use the promo code Chale to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to Roan.com slash Chale. R-H-O-N-E dot com slash Chale. Use the promo code Chale. It's time to find your corner office comfort. All right, guys, check this out. Now, it's 6.15 in the morning, uh, and it's freezing. It's freezing out here in Oregon. Literally, we've got 28, 28 degrees. I love getting a walk, getting some of this fresh air in. So I'm going to go outside and get a get a little bit of walk in this cold, but I got to I gotta talk to you guys about something. Daniel Cormier just came out. He was doing a piece on Israel Adesanya and... Alex Piera. And from Daniel's perspective, which this is a great take. This is a great take by Cormier. He says, now I'm going to paraphrase. Okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to put some of my own words on here, but I, we, we got the same thing going. It's just that Adesanya wasn't going to fight Piera. He wasn't jumping. He wasn't chomping at that. He had the opportunity, but that's not completely what he wanted to do. However, Izzy believes if Alex fights someone else, Alex will lose. And therefore, Izzy views that as a problem. Hey, look, I, I need to be the one to stop him. I don't want to go get my title back or get my belt back. Beating Apollo Costa, beating a Robert Whitaker. I got to go through this guy, and I don't think this guy is going to have the title. That's a very fascinating concept because it's that sounds accurate. Like... I really get what uh I really get what Izzy saying there. I think if you put Piera against the field, he is likely the underdog, right? If DraftKings was to come out with a line today, he's going to be taken on time about Piera. He's going to be defended against Paulo Costa. I think they'd put Paulo on top. And the same thing would go with Whitaker. Now, there could be some disrespect in us saying that. We are all pretty resigned that we have seen the skills of Piera and that he is an unusual mixed martial arts champion in that he is one skill heavy, which is the punches and the kicks, right? And I see that too. The rest of the story, which we conveniently leave out, is that's been enough and he's beaten everybody they put in front of him. But we as MMA fans... We believe you must have more than one discipline. We believe that you've got to be able to show your guillotine and you've got to at least be able to pronounce Uma Pallada. Like, the last 20 years of history would say that we've got that right. Alex Pierre really is a one-off. And it's a highly unusual spot. And I think that I really do understand what Adesanya is saying in both regards, because he's not just saying, hey, I think the field can beat this guy. That's not what he's saying. He's saying another side of it, which is, I got problems with this guy. I've been up to bat three times. It has not worked out those three times for whatever reason. I'm not just dying to go get a hold of him and close this thing out because I know that I can't. I know this guy's a problem. I know there's other paths, right? This is Izzy talking. There's other paths to a championship that are more likely to get me there. But my path and the one that I've got to do as a competitor has to go through him. And, uh, man, that's strong stuff. From a psychological standpoint, this is very strong stuff. And it's coming from both of these guys. I wish and I hope that as we look forward to this fight, which is only a couple of months away, these guys, they're going to go fight in April. But I wish and I hope 
Good morning there. Please don't run me over. Good morning there. They fired up their car. They didn't see old Chael P. Think of the dent I'd have put in that. What I got back there? Jaguar? Nice little red Jaguar? You got to think about it, and as these guys get ready to fight, I really hope that this is what the media dives into is the psychological side of this. The mere fact that Piera wants to fight Izzy, okay? Now, this is before we took the strap off. This is before they sold out Madison Square Garden. This is before he became an MMA star. Piera was not an MMA star. The mere fact that he even wanted to get in there with a guy who he'd not only beaten, he'd beaten twice. He'd not only beaten twice, he finished one of them. The fact that Pierre wanted to change sports, come over here and take that off him, and had the motivation to do so, it's very hard for me to understand and relate to. I know about that drive. I know about being hungry. I know about wanting to, to go succeed in this field. I'm talking about being able to dig deep, to sacrifice, to cut all that weight, to come and learn this sport, to walk out in that high-pressure moment, to be down four rounds, and to find a way to win purely because you dislike this other person and you refuse to lose to him. That's a tough concept for me to be able to relate to, considering Piera had already beaten him twice. And I now think, again, psychologically, the fact that Izzy was never really chomping at this fight... He wanted the belt back. He thinks he can beat this guy. He fully understands. Look, I've tried three times. Hasn't worked out all three. But this is still the guy I got to go through. And by God, if you go look at a calendar, he doesn't have a whole lot of time. I mean, April is right around the corner. And it doesn't appear to me to be a physical block for Adesanya. When I watch Adesanya fight Pierre, both in MMA and in kickboxing, I come away with the conclusion that Adesanya is a better fighter. But it didn't work that way right? You got to start playing games with yourself. You got to start learning how to close out a match. That's just a battle that everybody goes through. The last time that Izzy and Pierre fought, which was for the title at MSG, the last time they fought, every other fight on the card that night was only three rounds. Had their fight been three rounds, like every other card, other fight on that card, not only would Izzy have won, he would have dominated. He would have won all three rounds. Now, I understand that's not the way the game is played. I, I'm not being one of those guys that goes back and projects and says, well, under these... No, what I'm saying is, psychologically, Izzy might have to put himself in a situation where he believes this fight is seven rounds. Where he convinces himself this fight is ten rounds. Right? The, the horse will change when the barn is in sight. Every single time. And there's something about closing out those matches. There's something about getting to the finish line. There's something about getting so close to this guy who you, one, really want to beat. But moreover, and the bigger problem is it's a guy that you respect. You want to beat him. But every moment you're in there with him, you're still aware that he could beat you too. And starting to play those games and find those abilities to get the horse all the way to the barn. The psychological side of this fight is very interesting to me. But all going to fight Burns. Now, there's some moving parts on that. Maslow's going to fight Burns. Let that soak in. Let that set in. Of all the fights that you would have guessed... Perhaps Burns was, Burns was going to be booked in. Is that one? If that is one, where does that sit on your list? I, I mean, not only for, for did, did you think this was going to happen? Not only for did you think this was going to happen, is this the one that you wanted to happen? I mean, you got to set that in just a little bit. Here would be the standpoint that I was coming from. I wanted something good to happen for Burns. I feel, and many times this happens in life, but we see it a lot in this business. When you are the guy who is willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do, many times the only reward you get for that is you get continued to be asked to do things 
that other guys aren't willing to do. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things. I, I don't even know that that's bad. I can just tell you it's an observation. I can remember doing media, and I would go do the media. And it's a pain in the ass, right? I mean, there's a lot of things to do. You're in different time zones. I live, I live in Oregon. They want something, drive time in New York. You know, you're, you're on the stations at 4 a.m., which means to get the sleep out of your voice, you're up at 3 a.m. It's just one of these things. But if you go and do that and you, you, you go and jump on that grenade, the reward is the next time there's drive time in New York, you get asked to do it again. It's, it's one of those spots that I do. I watch Gilbert Burns go out and do fights. I watched him become a number one contender, get an opportunity to fight for a world championship, which was very wonderful to see. But he got there by taking fights, not only that were physically very difficult to do, that other guys were turning down, but he also did it at a pace, right? You guys remember that? I mean, Gilbert Burns was doing the Cowboy Cerrone. He was out there for every chance they had. He put, he put four and five fights in in a time frame that other guys, including the eventual champion he went and competed with, did two and three fights. So I, I want to see something good happen to Burns. But what do you do? I mean, what, what good can happen to a guy? You throw him on a pay-per-view, that's good. You give a prize fighter a fight and you give him a prize, that's good. You give him the BF, BMF champion. You give him the second biggest draw in our entire industry. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty damn good, right? Are, are we all there? But, but I want you to just take a minute and think about this. I want you to do the same thing for George Masvidal. I think a lot of us predicted. I don't know how bullish we were. Maybe I'm speaking for myself here. I don't know how much I actually would have bet or ventured to even guess that Masvidal was going to fight McGregor. But... It was out there, right? That was on the list. There's even some real quick conversation on, on the ultimate fighter. So when you think about Burns, when you think about Monsville, when you think about this fight, okay, everything that I just said, that all sounds good, right? That all, that all sounds good. It's a co-main event. And we got to look at it from that perspective because that, that is very interesting. You, you have Burns who is producing amongst the greatest matches that we've seen. He wants to fight for a championship. Now, if you're fighting on a pay-per-view and there's no belt up, you're typically not going to go into a main event spot. I, but let's just make sure we understand this. You then have Masvidal, who at one point was the sport's second biggest draw. That, that's a moving metric, right? I, I don't have the numbers to actually tell you that, that he still is. But he was the sport's second biggest draw. Now he's a co-main event. I mean, th this is one of those spots. Where you don't just wake up and go, well, this is a great fight. Uh, and then you go do the, the typical boring media and you talk about, oh, the BMF title. Why don't we put up the BMF title? Right. Stop. Stop. You boys are in a really good fight. I think it's an important fight. I think it's a meaningful fight. You got two main eventers that got demoted to a co-main event. I mean, if, if you're in that spot, you're, your eyes had better pop wide open this morning. Masvidal hasn't been booked in a meaningful amount of time. I remember his last fight. I was at T-Mobile, Las Vegas, opposite Kobe Covington, which was a main event, as was Masvidal's fight before that, as was Masvidal's fight before that. You go to a co-main event, you don't wake up in a good spot. Now, I'm, just sharing, I'm just sharing this for you, right? We can look forward to this fight, and I do, but there is another side to this. What have you predicted that? What have you predicted? The BMF champion, the second biggest draw in the sport. Opposite Burns, who we want something good to happen to because we know he can beat anybody at any given moment. And he is, he is due a good opportunity. Would you have predicted that they would have been demoted to a co-main event? And if so, what do you think about that? Is this the fight? Should they put the BMF belt up? Should this become a number one contender for Burns? It's just another thing that Burns has to do. Where do you go from here? And where do you draw from here? Typically speaking, when you have a fight to the magnitude of two former number one contenders and they're going out there and they're going to fight, typically, they would do the best that they could do to get a conversation around that fight that it be identified and recognized as a potential number one contenders match. Now, we don't do a lot of number one's contenders matches. We do do some of them, but we don't do a lot of them. What we do a lot of is getting fights that are potentially identified. We, we don't get a lot further than that. 
Ah, uh, this, this, this one could be the number one contender's fight. Okay, great. Let's potentially identify it. What do you think? I mean, what do you think? You, you got two big stars in a main event spot. If, if I wake up today and I see that match and I'm one of those participants, I thought I was going to be in there with Conor McGregor. I qualify to be in there for a world title, right? I'm combined, combining both of their resumes. I haven't fought in a period of time. I've been nothing but main events. I wait, I'm a co-main event underneath two kickboxers. Cool. I'm going to put my shoes on. I'm going to go run. I'm going to go do everything else. But in the back of my mind, I realize th this is not a career-making fight. This is not being identified as a number one contender's fight. This is a potential career-ending fight. You go from title fight to main event to co-main, you keep going down the card. You go a couple more rungs, you're packing your bags, you're talking about the good old days, like old Chael's doing. That's just his business. But that's still the spot that this is in. And it's a little bit of a surprise. There's few things that I would rather be wrong about right now than Francis Ngannou and, and Tyson Fury fighting. I mean, where there's smoke, there is fire a lot of times. I, I can come in and tease these guys all I want and tell you that's not a sport. That's not going to happen if Francis is getting played. Not necessarily. I, I mean, there is another side. If Fury wants to go out and do there, there is a way to get these guys together. Now, I went and watched Francis. I had an opinion that other people have shared too, right? We know in this sport, you're only as good as your last fight. That's the perception. We've had to deal with that forever. But if you were to look at Francis's last fight, he got outstruck. It was a 25-minute fight. He had to win it on the ground. He got outstruck by Surreal Gone. So that was just tough, at least tougher, to attempt to sell to people that this guy that just got outstruck by a guy who doesn't even pretend he could outstrike Tyson Fury is going to go fight Tyson Fury in a stand-up fight. Can we agree on that? Before you think I'm being negative, I then saw a video, and it was Francis Ngannou in the gym. It was Francis Ngannou sparring um, with LeBanner, and who's amazing, who, who is flat awesome. They were only sparring stand-up. One thing I saw about Francis, and one thing that I, I learned about Francis, he's a lot better than I knew he was. I thought he was very good. I recognized he was the champion of the world. Francis was better than I knew he was. He had better movements. Francis was doing something called the pole. The pole is very uncommon in boxing. You will see Floyd Mayweather do it. You will see Anderson Silva do it. It's, it's the most elite. It is just a part of the male anatomy that generally doesn't bend. A guy's back. Right, you've heard of a bob, you've heard of a weave, you know about the duck. The pull is where you can pull, but your back just doesn't bend that way. Men and women's gymnastics compete on different apparatuses and routines because of the lack of bend in the male anatomy. Just so you understand this, it's a very rare thing to do, let alone a guy that's 300 pounds. So I'm watching Francis in there. Francis is doing the pull. Francis is bobbing, he's weaving, he's ducking, but he's also doing the pull, and then he's returning fire. Might sound simple. If you go watch this clip, you're going to see a 300-pound man doing something you don't generally see him do, and you're going to see a 300-pound Francis Ngannou doing something in this clip that you did not see him do in his fights, including his last one with Surreal. Why? Guys, the answer is real simple. We just forgot it, right? One thing in this sport, we get reminded of things. We don't learn a whole lot new anymore. We used to learn something every, every pay-per-view, which was separated by about two or three months. We'd all sit down and learn something. We'd go in the gym on Sunday or we'd get a buddy to come over right there. We'd, we'd move the coffee table out, right? The old Evan Tanner. Evan Tanner prepared himself for a world title fight, watching clips, training with a friend in the living room. That's real. At one point, that was real. But now we don't learn as much as we get reminded of things. And we got reminded by the, the way that Francis was able to move, the way he was able to work the body, the way he was able to bob and weep, the way he was able to parry, step in and cut a corner. We got reminded. How much different a stand-up fighter can flow 
how much different he can react and respond when he doesn't have to worry about the threat of a takedown. Surreal gone was not likely to take Francis down. I understand that. But he offered the threat. Francis had to respect it. If Surreal changed elevation, Francis had to react to it. As Francis starts to engage, before he lets any power go, he has to know Surreal has at least an option to change elevation and attempt to tackle him. Those are things he didn't have to worry about or think about when he was sparring with Jerome LeBanner, who is as good of a stand-up fighter as you're going to come across, who's as intimidating of a stand-up fighter, but he's also as powerful. And that power just simply wasn't there. It just was, because Francis was throwing him off. Every time Jerome LeBanner would get sent somewhere, Francis would offer him something. Okay, so now Jerome's going to get, he's going to get sent to the left hand. Okay, Francis throws the right. Okay, Jerome's getting, getting adjusted because Francis is a headhunter. Francis changed elevation, comes through the body, comes back up to the head. It was just one of these things. And I didn't learn about Francis. I got reminded. Got reminded. It's a very different contest when you don't have to worry about the threat of the takedown. And I will admit for you, I will admit for you, while being a naysayer and not understanding why these two knuckleheads are going to go make up a game, I am more intrigued by it after seeing this sparring clip than I was prior to seeing the sparring clip. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and that you continue to leave reviews for the show over at Apple Podcasts. We got a big weekend in combat sports coming up on Friday. I'm going to talk to you guys about everything that's going down. Plus, I'm going to tell you all about a press conference that I will be hosting. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. <laughs>